So as a church, we're going through the Gospel of Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament, and it's just this beautiful story of Jesus' time here on earth. Jesus, who we affirmed in the Apostles' Creed, Jesus, who we're praying to, who we are talking about, this Jesus, who is himself God, very God of very God, became human to live among us. And the Gospel of Matthew tells a version of the story of his time here on earth. Well, one of the things that Matthew has in his gospel is what I consider the most important sermon ever preached in the history of mankind, the Sermon on the Mount. It's the most quoted, the most well-known. It contains some of the most powerful phrases ever uttered uh, on this planet. And Jesus came among us and taught us with authority from God. Well, last week we looked at what I would say is the most well-known passage, not only in the Sermon on the Mount, but in the entire Bible. And you could argue the sort of most well-known and most quoted uh, portion of text anywhere in history uh, by Christians, the Lord's Prayer. The prayer that Jesus himself taught us to pray. People of every culture, of every language all around the world say the words, our Father who art in heaven, and we speak those things. And so it's not a stretch to say this is the most quoted passage in the Bible. Now when I say that, I mean the most quoted passage in the Bible as quoted by Christians. Have you ever asked the question, what's the most quoted passage in the Bible as quoted by non-Christians? Now I would think a possible candidate is our passage this morning in which Jesus says, judge not. If you do a quick Google search of judge me not or don't judge, you will find lots and lots of things in our culture connected to that. Uh, There's a 2020 book written, I think especially for sort of uh, teenage girls called Don't Judge Me. There was a Chris Brown song from 2012 uh, entitled Don't Judge Me. There was a 2016 uh, TV miniseries. There's a 2023 movie coming out called Judge Not. There's lots and lots of internet memes about not judging. And if you've been to Planet Fitness, it's sort of up there on the wall, judgment-free zone. I don't know if they realize they're quoting Jesus. But this idea of not judging comes from Jesus and from the Sermon on the Mount. And as you can imagine, with this much traction in popular culture, with this much stuff going on, it's no surprise that people in our culture, even though they're quoting Jesus and don't know it, have confused what it is that he's saying. And with so many people using this idea of not judging, it's no surprise that even today in the church, it can be confusing to understand what did Jesus mean? So this morning, we're asking Jesus to come and teach us afresh again by his spirit what he means by these words. So let me invite you to take a Bible and turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. You don't have a Bible with you, that's perfectly fine. We provide them in the rack in front of you. It looks like this, the church Bibles, and if you take one of these and turn to page 788, 
you will be in Matthew chapter 7, right smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And even if you don't know anything about what came before, what came after, on page 788 in Matthew chapter 7, we're going to be able to see what Jesus said about not judging others and try to understand that better. So Matthew chapter 7, I'm going to read verses 1 to 6, page 788. Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may turn, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now one of the reasons why there is confusion when Jesus says, do not judge, is because in English, the word judge can have different meanings. And we have to admit that some of the confusion in popular culture and some of the confusion in Jesus' church as to what he means when he says, do not judge, come from the fact that we've used a word judge that can have different meanings. Now you might ask, well, what's the Greek word that got translated judge? I could tell you the Greek word, but it actually won't help us because we got the same problem in Greek that we have in English, which is the Greek word, which got translated judge, can be used for multiple situations and has multiple meanings. The Hebrew word in the Old Testament for the word judge also has multiple meanings. And so some of the confusion is, is the idea in Hebrew and in Greek and in English that we translate judge can mean different things in different contexts. If we were to summarize those meanings, we could put them under sort of two headings. The first is when the word judge means something like it does in Ezekiel 7 verse 3. In that passage, God says, the end is now upon you, and I will unleash my anger against you. I will what? Judge you according to your conduct and repay you for all your detestable practices. In this passage, the word judge, we might use other English synonyms like repay, condemn, punish, declare guilty. This is one of the meanings of the word judge. And the idea here is punitive. It's when you and I act as sort of like a prosecuting attorney, judge, jury, and executioner. It's to see something that is wrong and decide this is the appropriate punishment for that action. To condemn it, to repay it, to avenge it, that sort of idea to judge in a punitive or punishing sort of way. The word judge can also mean something like it means in Luke chapter 12, where Jesus says, why don't you 
judge for yourselves what is right. Same word, but different meaning. In this case, the word judge, we might gloss it or use English synonyms like discern or consider or evaluate, analyze, select. The idea is not punitive. The idea is corrective to see something and to determine or to discern, is that right? Is that wrong? Is this something we should be doing? Is this something we shouldn't be doing? These are the two main ideas that the English word and Greek and Hebrew words judge get used for. And the question is, well, in our passage, when Jesus says, do not judge, does he mean do not condemn? Or does he mean do not discern? I think he means do not condemn. Do not punish. When he says do not judge, he's using this first sense of the word, this one from Ezekiel 7. He's saying to you and I, we don't have the authority and the right to repay people when they do something wrong. We don't have the authority to act as judge and jury. It is not our place to condemn. It is not our place to punish. It is not our place to declare guilty or to discipline. Jesus says, do not judge in this first sense. Now before we understand further what he's saying, I want to give you just a little bit of a, a warning about that, about what I've just said. Notice that it says, do not judge or you too will be judged. The idea here is not all judging in the sense of the repaying, condemning, uh, punishing, declaring guilty. Not all judging in that sense is wrong. Because whoever's doing the judging in the second half of verse one, the or you two will be judged, the person who is judging the judgmental person seems to be doing the right thing. And so the question is, who's judging at the end of verse one? Jesus says, do not judge or you will be judged. Who's doing that judging? And we answer the question in the Apostles' Creed, we also answer it in the gospel presentation that we get in Acts 10. He commanded, God commanded us, the apostles, to preach to people and to testify that he, Jesus, is the one whom God appointed as what? Judge of the living and the dead. Not the one God will appoint as judge, but the one God has already appointed as judge. Jesus has the authority to judge. When he says, judge not, lest you also be judged, he's telling us not to do judging, but he is the righteous judge. Jesus has authority to repay. Jesus has authority to condemn. He has authority to punish, to discipline, to avenge. Now Jesus is currently seated at the right hand of God in heaven. We're waiting for him to return in which he will judge the whole earth, but even now, Jesus as the judge of the living and the dead is at times executing judgment. He is punishing. He does at times condemn. He does at times declare guilty. But because he's in heaven, he also delegates some of that judging to those who are authorized to act on his behalf. So for example, his church. 
His church is the body. We are the body of Christ. God gives to the church the authority to judge in the sense of declare guilty or punish. He's given to those in authority in the church the right to do that in the church, not in the wider culture. The Bible's very clear. We're supposed to judge those inside the church. We have no authority to judge those outside the church. This is talking about church discipline. Leadership in the church is given the responsibility by Jesus if there is sin going on in the church to say, hey, look, that can't go on or you can't be part of what's going on here. To excommunicate someone, to remove somebody, to say, hey, look, that divisive behavior, for example, you're not allowed to serve until we get rid of that. The church has been given the authority by Jesus to do that and we're supposed to judge in that way. Likewise, also governments. Governments have been given the responsibility by Jesus, the judge, to punish, to condemn, to declare guilty. This is why judicial systems are doing what they're doing under Jesus' authority. Governments are supposed to do this. They're supposed to try cases. They're supposed to figure out who's innocent and punish those who are guilty. Same thing with parents. Parents have been given responsibility and authority over your children. In that case, you are supposed to judge in the sense of if there needs to be discipline, the parent is supposed to do that. Likewise, in school settings or in workplaces, there are those in administration or in leadership that have been given the right or the ability to say, this is what you need to do. And if someone doesn't do that, they have been authorized by Jesus to suspend the student or to let the person go or to exercise some sort of discipline. So when we say, do not judge, we're not talking about, Jesus is not talking about the situations where he has, as judge, has given authority to church or to government or to parents or to school administrators or to people who are in charge in the workplace. We're not talking about that. What we're talking about is relationships where there's not sort of authority involved. Marriage relationships, relationships among siblings, Relationships with your classmates, relationships with other people in the church, relationships with people in your neighborhood, relationships with people that you don't have authority over on the internet that you're interacting with. In those situations, Jesus is saying to us, do not judge. You and I do not have the authority to condemn, to punish, to declare guilty, to discipline, to try to use force in that way to change someone's behavior. Now what does that look like? Let me give you a couple of examples. Imagine someone in your friend group is prone to boasting and bragging about themselves. Now, the Bible's very clear. To boast and to brag is not honoring to God. But imagine that you decide that because this person is always doing this, you're going to tell the other people in your friend group, hey, they shouldn't be doing this. Let's stop hanging out with them until they stop doing this. That's crossed the line into judging. You're now condemning and enacting punishment. Or imagine that your spouse is not doing the chores that you both agreed upon that person would do. If you decide, hey, I'm not going to any of your side's family stuff until you start doing those chores, that's crossed into judging. 
It's perfectly fine to have a conversation. I thought we agreed you were going to do these chores. It's once you move into, here is now the punishment that goes with that. That's what Jesus is talking about. Do not judge. Now, I don't want to leave this point because there's a kind of a caveat I've got to give you. So we're not talking here about if something harmful is happening in your marriage or with children. In that situation, that's not what this text is talking about. There does need to be appropriate measures taken to keep harm from happening. That's, what not this, that's not what this passage is about. This passage is about if your spouse is not doing the thing that you agreed they would do, you taking matters into your own hands to try to say, well, I will teach you to do that thing by enacting this discipline, this punishment, repaying you back for what you've done. Another example. If your neighbor builds a new fence, and by mistake it ends up some, a bit on your property instead of on theirs, you can talk to them about it. You could just let it go. That'd be a very Christian thing to do. You can go to the sort of local authorities or whatever, but what you can't do, according to Jesus, is you can't say, well, I'm not letting you borrow my mower, and I'm not going to talk to you until you get this fence thing fixed. That's crossed over into judging. If someone struggles with overeating and you decide to publicly embarrass them, that's condemning them. That's what Jesus is talking about. Don't judge. That's not kind. That's not your authority. It's not your call. If you've got somebody at the workplace, a coworker who's treated you poorly, and you go on social media and trash them and try to turn public opinion against them, that's what Jesus is talking about. You and I have made ourselves judge and jury. We've decided that behavior is not correct and here is the appropriate punishment for that behavior. You got what you deserved. When Jesus says, do not judge, that's what he's talking about. You and I are not to engage in that kind of behavior. We don't have the authority to do it. Now you might ask, well, what should you do if someone is doing something that is sinful against you or harmful or something that you disagree with? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. It's what the rest of the passage is about. It's what verses three to six are talking about. And there Jesus is actually emphasizing the second meaning for the word judge. He doesn't use the word judge or it'll be hopelessly confusing. But in this next, the rest of the passage, he's talking about discerning. And whereas we are commanded not to judge when we don't have authority, not to judge in the sense of punish, we are commanded to discern. Which means that you and I are supposed to, when we see somebody doing something, we are supposed to evaluate, assess, analyze, try to figure out for ourselves, is that from the Lord? Is that something the Lord is pleased with? So if you've got a friend who's engaged in boastful behavior in your friend group, you're not supposed to try to get them excommunicated from the friend group, but you are, you and I are supposed to discern boasting is not honoring to the Lord. And then God tells us we should speak the truth in love, to pull the person inside and say, hey, you know what? You may not know this, but sometimes some of the things you say may be coming across as more boastful than you wish they were. And you've got a lot of great qualities. Let the rest of us talk about those uh, because we'd love to share those things. And then you don't have to worry about it. 
That may not be the best way to say that, but something like that. That's not judging and punishing. That's judging in the sense of discerning and trying to be helpful and offer corrective behavior. Now, before you and I do that, Jesus gives us two warnings. Verses three to five is one warning. Verse six is the other warning. In verses three to five, Jesus uses a very, it's hyperbole, but it's a really powerful visual example. He says, imagine that your friend has a speck of sawdust in their eye. Before you go to help them with their arrogant boasting or whatever it may be, make sure you don't have a giant two by four sticking out of your eye. And it is, it's supposed to make you laugh. You're supposed to picture yourself with a giant beam coming out of your eye saying to somebody else, oh, there's a tiny piece of sawdust in your eye. Let me help you with that. So Jesus says, before we speak the truth in love, number one, we need to make sure we're not being hypocritical. Marriage counselors could tell you all about this. They could tell you that sometimes, you know, spouses will come in and they will say, my spouse is not getting up early enough in the morning. They're not working hard enough. They're not warm enough towards me. They're not doing all the things that they should be doing. And as a marriage counselor, you can listen and go, okay, that sounds like there's some issues there. And then as you probe deeper, you might find out that the spouse who's making the accusations is actually a workaholic or engaged in sort of abusive, demeaning kind of language or is addicted to al alcohol or whatever it may be. As a counselor, you'd be like, we will take care of the waking up late, but first we got to deal with this issue. We got to take the plank out before we go after the speck of sawdust. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus says to us, you and I should do the same. <laughs> we should look at our own lives first, yeah. which is why. And this may be a bit of meddling in your marriage life or your personal relationships. If you hear yourself saying, I know I was harsh, but, or I know I lied, but, or I know I got angry, but, you, please don't finish that sentence. <laughs> because what Jesus is saying is, you think you see clearly what's going on in their life? But until you take care of that harshness or that lying or that anger, you don't see what you think you see. And so you will only get yourself into trouble trying to help someone else when you haven't dealt with the stuff in your own life. Amen. And you may know from personal experience, if you just apologized for being harsh and didn't add but you, it would go a lot better. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, he's not saying, never say anything to anybody else. What he's saying is, first, make sure you're not being hypocritical. Whatever it is in your life, confess that thing, remove that thing, and then remove the speck of sawdust from your brother or sister's eyes. So we don't not say something. We just make sure, number one, that we're not being hypocritical about it. The second warning in speaking the truth in love after we've discerned and judged comes in verse six. And it's a strange phrase, do not give dogs what is sacred, do not throw your pearls to pigs. The easiest explanation for it is this. That before you and I say something to someone that we've discerned that might be helpful to them, 
we need to go in realizing that we might be wasting our time. That sometimes in situations, no matter how much you've prayed, no matter how hard you've worked to make sure there's no beam in your eye, no matter how much you've confessed, no matter how gently and kindly you go about trying to say something, there, are, there is certain situations where people are simply not going to respond. And Jesus says, in those cases, if they're not listening, leave them in God's hands because he's the judge. You and I don't have the power to move from discerning to punishing. And one of the dangers is when someone is not learning, someone is not listening to the thing that we've discerned, that we've been gentle about, that we've not been hypocritical about, we get tempted to move into the punishment phase and to say, well, I tried to tell you nicely, now you're not listening, therefore, condemnation, repayment, punishment, discipline. Jesus says, just leave them in my hands. I know how to take care of this. I will handle it. So Jesus has said a lot here. It's confusing. So let me try to summarize for us in sort of a kind of a one thing at the end here. If you are not in a position of exercising authority over somebody, if you're not a judge in the judicial system, if you're not a police officer, if you're not a parent, if you're not acting in such a way that you're an elder, uh, part of the elders of the church, if you're not currently an administrator, acting as an administrator in a school, if you're not a boss at work, if you and I are engaged in marriage relationships and friendships with classmates at school in our neighborhood, with other people on the internet, Jesus says, do not judge. Don't punish, don't condemn, don't try to change their behavior through things that you're going to declare, like, okay, well, if you keep doing this, I'm doing that. Jesus says, please do not do that. Who are you and I to judge another person's servant? To their own master they stand or fall and God is able to make them stand. God is the judge and every single human being on the planet is under his authority. And so if you and I have not been placed by Jesus in authority over another person, the proper response is don't be involved in judging to punish. You and I are supposed to be involved in discerning is that behavior right? Is that behavior wrong? Is it from the Lord or not? In doing so, we should first apply that same discerning ability to our own lives to figure out if we've got stuff in our life that God's trying to get rid of. If we don't, we should share it with the person as the Lord leads prayerfully, gently, kindly, the way you would like someone to share with you. If they don't listen, to simply leave it in God's hands and say, I did what it is that I thought that the Lord told me to do. That's what Jesus is saying in this passage. Now I've got an assignment for you. I gave you an assignment last week. How many of you did something fasting and praying in, in, in sort of response to your assignment? All right, thank you. Good job. The reason this is important is Jesus says with the Sermon on the Mount, if you put these things into practice, then they will make your life rock solid. If you go away and just talk about them or forget about them, that doesn't do any good. So here's your assignment for this week. If you're like me, you probably have recently fallen afoul of judging somebody 
in the sort of punishing, condemning, disciplining sort of way. You probably have stepped over the line and tried to motivate or change behavior by saying, well, yeah, if you're gonna do that, I'm gonna do this. And your assignment, my assignment this week, is number one, to confess that to God. Jesus himself said, I don't want you doing my job for me. And we can go back to Jesus and say, you know what? I'm sorry for thinking you weren't doing a good job and I'm sorry for thinking that I could do it better than you can. If you confess to God, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. There is no condemnation to those who stand before Jesus in a position of humility. And so your assignment is, if you've done that, to simply say you're sorry to Jesus. And if he opens the door to say you're sorry to the person. I don't know your situation, and so the Holy Spirit will have to lead you through it. But if there's an opportunity to say to another person, you know what? I was convicted this week from what Jesus had to say that I think that I have been condemning or punishing or repaying or avenging or judging. I've been trying to change behavior through my actions, and I shouldn't have done that, and I'm sorry. That's assignment number one. Assignment number two is you might not have somebody that you've done that for, and so assignment number one may not apply to you. But maybe God brought you here this morning or has you listening to the sermon because right now the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart that you have been discerning behavior in another person that you think that's not correct. Your assignment is to first ask the Holy Spirit to make sure you don't have a beam in your eye, and especially if it's the kind of behavior you have been helped by Jesus through. So for example, if you were a person who really struggled with arrogant boasting, you might be the prime candidate that the Holy Spirit is wanting to use to share with somebody else because you've already removed the beam from your eye. Now you're ready to say to that other person, look, I know it feels like nobody's gonna talk about you if you don't say something or you're not gonna get noticed if you don't do this, but trust me, if you leave this up to the Lord, it will go a lot better. If the Lord brought you here this morning, he might want you to be ready to say something to another person in love. Because which of us can know what's going on in our lives unless somebody helps us see that? And so your assignment is, if God's impressed something on your life that you've discerned, can you prayerfully, gently, kindly, in a way you would like someone to do it for you, share with them in love what you've discerned? If they don't listen, just simply leave it in God's hands. He will take care of it. So most of us here should be able to do one or the other assignment. Those are our two assignments. Either we've got some confessing we need to do, or maybe God brought us here because he wants, to, he wants us to help him uh, communicate love to another person through correction and encouragement. The reason why the world is so confused about this passage is, admittedly, it is a confusing passage. But through the Holy Spirit, God has given very clear instructions of what we're supposed to do. In the world around us, we see the world going wrong on sort of both sides. In one sense, they're being way too vindictive and judgmental in certain situations. And in another sense, they're not discerning right from wrong and helping others live in a right way. But Jesus gave this teaching to us so that we as a church might do it in the right way. And if we embrace what he said, which is don't punish, condemn, uh, don't, don't discipline, don't do those things. 
instead discern what is right and speak truth in love, then we will have relationships among ourselves that are honoring to God and will be an example to this world that Jesus is teaching about do not judge is words from God to this world for our blessing. Let's pray together. Jesus, you are the master teacher. Thank you for explaining these things to us. We need your Holy Spirit that we might be able to apply them to our lives. And so we pray that you would, through your Spirit, empower us, enable us, make us courageous to do this, that we might obey for your sake. We pray this in your name. Amen.